This podcast is brought to you by Fandango. Fandango offers movie tickets and gift cards to over 45,000 different screens across the United States and reaches into nearly 80% of the nation's total theaters. By partnering with virtually every leading film exhibitor like Regal, Cinemark, AMC, and more. So to pick up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life, head on over to cityweekly.com slash Fandango or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Hi, everybody. This is Bridget Nielsen. This is Jesse Ventura. Hi, this is Luther Ricknow. Hi, this is Dee Wallace, and you're listening to Cinema Geekly. You're listening to Cinema Geekly. You're listening to Cinema Geekly. <laughs> you're listening to Cinema Geekly. Keep listening, baby. Coming to you in hypersonic ultra-maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes, it's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. It's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 190. It's Anthony Lewis, Glenn Beauvais, and we are back to talk more movie news and reviews. Although, you know what, not so much news. I think we're going to cover some some trailers. There's too many reviews, uh, Glenn, so we're going to talk about a few trailers. They're all the big blockbustery trailers. Uh, I've got a th- thoughts on a couple of them. Some of them, not so much. In the not-so-much department, uh, we got the first trailer for uh, Black Widow. That comes out in, what, February? January? No, it comes... Black Widow? I thought it was May 1st. Is it? That's not until May and we're already getting a trailer? No, I'm pretty sure it's May 1st. Holy shit. Well, uh, the first trailer for May's Black Widow came out on, like, December 4th. So, many months early... Uh, and we gotta we gotta look at it. It's it looks fine, but you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm weird. I'm trying to figure out why they've they're starting this new phase of the Marvel movies so that they've completed all of that ten year stuff that they did, uh, leading up to the Infinity War movies. I don't know why they're starting off this new phase of movies with a a kind of a prequel. You know what I mean? It's a it's a flashback movie to when Black yeah. Widow was still alive. Spoiler alert for the three people who haven't seen Endgame yet. Uh, it's just weird that they're... I mean, look, it's Marvel, so there's probably something happening in this movie, perhaps bookending it in some fashion, that does have something to do with something, but they're not going to tell us. But outside of that speculation feels weird that they'd be starting off a new set of movies with a a flashback movie. Uh, and the movie itself looks, you know, fine. It looks like it'll be a fun action Marvel movie. But, you know, that's kind of it. I, I do sort of uh, dig uh, Communist Captain America. That looks like uh, it'll be kind of fun. But outside of that, it... It just looked like a okay Marvel movie to me. 
I don't nothing nothing really stood out. What about you, Glenn? Did anything strike you about Black Widow? I like the trailer music. Trailer music was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think my only thing is like kind of like what we've been saying in the past. For, oh, especially me that I've been saying about Marvel the past is like Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be good, but there's nothing that I think I notice it more so with this one if it's supposed to be kind of like this spy espionage thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that it does just kind of look like a Marvel movie just seems like odd or like an uncanny valley for the genre. Like, I feel like it should be dirtier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just looks really clean and really slick and I just, and super bright. I just, I wish they would put a different filter on it or something. I don't know. I just, I feel like making it kind of look like a Every other Marvel movie is going to be a disservice to it. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be good and it's going to be fine, but it just, yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah. Uh, and I wish it was darker. For me, from my perspective, I need something that, I don't know if I necessarily at this point want a movie that's going to add a layer to a character that's not going to be around anymore. So for me, I want something that's going to either add to the existing some something that will substantially add to the existing lore of the world that they've created or something that's going to help push it forward uh bring it into like a new direction and i'm positive this movie isn't going to be doing that is this appears to be i think they said something about it taking place in between civil war and um whenever the next time we see her is i think that's infinity war maybe so really, because they make William Hurt look like he's super young. They do. Maybe I mean there may be like flashbacks to even more earlier stuff. Yeah, I'm sure because this is obviously it's a the trailer makes it clear that this is a movie about Black Widow going back to her past or confronting somebody that's something from her past. I'm sure there there's going to be uh, a lot of that going on. They've got to task- get rid of the the red on her ledger, which was the yes. whole point of her dying in Endgame. Yes. Uh, they've got Taskmaster as the villain, which, yeah, they could do some fun stuff with that as well. But, eh, I mean, I I can't say I was, like, jumping out of my seat with excitement for it. But, you know, we'll see. I, I've seen a lot of these Marvel movies at this point. you got you got to give me something flashy. Uh, and this, this seemed like, you know, good Marvel movie warmth. Like, oh, this is what I'm used to. But I'm kind of hoping for something a little bit more. Didn't get it from the first trailer, but maybe we'll get it from uh, the next. Uh, Trailer came out for Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, What did you think of this very 1980s field trailer? Uh, To counter what I just said about Black Widow, thank God they gave her color in this movie. Like (laughs) Her suit's super red and blue and yellow, like all the colors popping. Yep. Uh, And that's just about all I have to say about it. The, the one thing that terrifies me. Hmm. Um, I I am terrified of this, this Cats movie that's coming out. Like, it just <laughs> looks so weird to me. Like, yes. I just don't understand how it's going to gr- get greenlit. And I'm super curious to see how many people are actually going to go see this. Yes. What to me looks like an abomination in God's eyes. Yes. Uh, and it's like, oh, this is just going to be what 
Uh, is that what they're going to do to Kristen, Kristen Wiig? Wiig is going to look like when she becomes Cheetah. <laughs> yes. Like, I just, I'm going to have to just get used to it because I don't know how else they could not make it look this weird. Where it, I, I guess it's cats. never really bothered me in the cartoons, but man, is it going to look weird as hell? Maybe she'll as just a have CGI a thing. Maybe she'll just have a cheetah pattern suit on, perhaps. Well, sometimes she does. Like I know the old old timey ones it was like a suit that she had or mm-hmm. it's really muted it's more of like kind of looks like tattoos yeah um which i mean shoot i mean it's not like you don't have i mean there's that one lady who's like the tiger lady or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah we'll see but no it's, it's the only thing it's just in the back of my mind I, the closer we're going to get to that wonder woman movie is that and uh you know they keep saying that uh Steve Trevor being alive isn't a gimmick. Okay, prove me otherwise, I guess. But yeah. other than that, looks fine, I guess. Yep, that's the big mystery they're setting up for uh, in the movie. Like, how is he back? Where did he come from? Is he dead? Is this a clone? What is this? Uh, so, yeah, that's like the big, uh, the mysterious question in it. It looks like it's going to maintain most of the tone that they had for the first movie, but probably have even more fun with it a little bit because of the 1980s setting yeah um, and you got a lady who turns into a freaking cheetah i mean yes you I know mean, hopefully again learn the lessons you learn at shazam you know it, it was yep it was harmless and kind of cute in a whimsy way mm-hmm. you know it's what you can go that route and you can keep making this other dark shit that you're gonna make yeah i mean i think wonder woman the first wonder woman is easily the best movie they've made in this dc universe uh, that they've created, and this got me way more excited than the Black Widow trailer did. Uh, maybe it helps that Wonder Woman's got some superpowers, so they can do some ridiculous shit. I mean, it is pretty ridiculous. Like lasso and, between lightning, because that's awesome. I mean, yeah, uh, that's the thing. Like, I saw her <laughs> swinging off of lightning bolts with her lasso. And I'm like, holy shit! I, where are my tickets? Like, I just yeah. want to see that. Like, whoever thought of that, that's awesome. I don't know if that's in the books, but... I have no idea if it's in the comics. But that's just, whoever thought that up was... I was I mean, awesome. I guess it makes sense. She could just say Zeus is helping her, so... But, yeah. yeah. I mean, regardless, I was just like, that's just, like, one of the coolest visuals ever. And, uh, I mean, that, like, you know, the 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 song they had in the background, whatever that was, I can't remember the name of the song. Um... But all of that, like everything came together. Uh, like there, look, there is a ridiculous scene in the Black Widow trailer where she's like, I don't know what it is. She was in something high up in the air and it explodes and she's like diving straight down. And there's a bunch of henchmen that are diving down too. And, and Taskmaster like, shooting arrows at her as, as they're falling. Yes. Uh, so there is some ridiculous, there's some good comic booky ridiculousness in that as well, but nothing like in the Wonder Woman trailer. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited for uh, the sequel. Uh, let's talk about uh, this last thing before we... Uh, well, there, there might be another thing I might mention, but uh, the other big trailer was Ghostbusters Afterlife. And this... I've seen some pretty mixed responses to it, so I'm curious as to what you thought. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I don't really... Why is, uh, why is the Stranger Kids... Like in everything. Well, <laughs> that kid, everybody, like everybody, everybody loves that show, man. Yeah, no, I get it. But it's just like, man, he's in 
He's not the he was in uh, it, right? Okay. Yeah, to me, he's not the one I uh, I take away from. Is like, man, this guy, this kid's a good actor. No, for me, it would be uh, honestly, I'd rather grab. Is it Steve from that show? The kid with the hair. The oh, older he's kid. he's older than me. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's like twenty nine. I mean, I still I like him though. Like from the show, I think he's really yeah. good. I think Dustin's pretty good. Dustin, yeah, I'd like to see that. Dustin, I think, would be excellent for... I mean, here we are disrespecting them, not knowing their actual names, but he would be... I think he would be really good in, like, a Ghostbusters-type movie. But regardless, like, yeah, I don't know why he's in the movie, but... um, I mean, this is very much a teaser trailer as well. It it sort of looks like they're setting up the story that uh, the the girl or one of the girls in it is the granddaughter of Egon, I believe. So they're still uh-huh. kind of keeping the memory of Harold Ramis alive. That seems to be the, the back door from which these people will get to become ghostbusters. Like after they stopped ghost busting, he moved out to the country somewhere and he stashed all of the shit away. I found a fanboy science teacher and Paul Rudd. Yes. Uh, who followed all the ghost stuff. Yeah, uh, and they set up a world where ghosts haven't been seen since basically Ghostbusters too. Uh, but he was he was he's old enough to have remembered this occurring. But the kids these days they don't know they're Ghostbusters, so he's got a. Uh, I, I think Paul Rudd is a good fit for this movie too. It's just that they showed too little for me to get a good idea of what this really is. I I mean I thought the trailer was surprisingly very serious for a little bit. Like, it didn't seem nearly as comedic, although some people have pointed out that the early trailers for the original Ghostbusters did not... uh, didn't really play heavily on the comedic elements either. Well, one of them thought they were writing the Holy Bible on ghost hunting, and the other one thought it was... and one of them thought it was stupid. (laughs) And then Harold Ramis kind of combined the two. The two, yes. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, I'm excited for this movie, but the trailer didn't boost my excitement that much. Um, I like most of the people involved, but this was too much of a teaser to where I wasn't exactly sure what I'm getting myself into with this. So I'm cautiously excited for the movie, but, you know, it's a wait and see type thing. Uh, they obviously they gave no hints of any of the original cast, but they're uh, those of uh, those of them that remain and are still uh, working actors. Because I think uh, what's his name? Oh God, I can't remember. I, I can only remember his goddamn Rick Moranis, of course. Uh, he's retired, yes. So I don't think he's. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to be in the film, but I believe everybody else. Uh, oh, Sigourney Weaver is going to be in it. Uh, I think I saw her name. Hmm. Maybe she. That's maybe, cool. Maybe she's not. I I know at least the core Ghostbusters are for sure. Yeah. Um. But they gave no hints of that. Uh, but maybe it's a little too early. I'm sure they're going to give some of that away. Uh, in the, in like a future trailer, but uh, I'm pretty fairly excited. Um, what was this other one? Did you see the, uh, did you see the Ryan Reynolds Grand Theft Auto movie? Essentially, the trailer for this movie. Uh, it's called what is it called? Uh, Free. 
free guy or something like that. Oh, yeah, where Ryan Reynolds is an NPC. Yeah, he's an NPC that decides... It's a, It looks kind of like a live-action Wreck-It Ralph, sort of, where he's just a video game character that gets tired of doing what he's doing all the time and decides to, to be a hero or whatever uh, instead of a just an NPC, but the world he's in is more of a GTA type thing. That could be fun. Yeah, it could be. I, there is just... The I kind of wish it wasn't Ryan Reynolds. I guess is was my my takeaway from it. You think he's just showing up in too much, or is it too on the yeah, nose? Yeah, I just casting? I don't. I wish it was. I wish it wasn't him mm-hmm. because I can't help but always think of him as being like snarky. Yeah, and I feel like if you want someone to be like this NPC, like you need someone who's like usually really genuine in their like naivete. Uh, yeah, a, a Chris Pratt type. You know, like in the Lego movie, where it's kind of a similar, a, almost a similar story. Yeah, it, yeah, really similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, live action Lego movie meets live action Wreck-It Ralph. It sort of feels like. Um, interested. I feel like the high the high bar ceiling for it is that it'll be a, a fun movie, and low bar is could be in my bottom five next year. So. Yeah, that's true. It could be either be really good or... Or terrible. Yes. Um, okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about uh, some of the movies we've seen. Uh, I We should probably... I don't know. What's the earliest? Have you seen anything that came out before Frozen 2? Because I know we both saw that. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw The Lighthouse was the first movie I saw after... Uh, Joker? After Joker, yeah. But okay. That wasn't the one I was going to pick to talk about, remember? Oh, right. You wanted to do uh, Dolomite. I mean, Lighthouse is... It's a weird black and white movie. If you want to see... If you want to see Robert Pattinson fuck a mermaid, this is your movie, so... I never knew I wanted to see that until now. I was going to say, yeah, I'm intrigued. (laughs) Uh, What was the other one after Dolomite? Was it it Honey Boy or was it... uh, I mean, Honey Boy was good. I mean, it's... You know, it's the one that Shia LaBeouf wrote while on rehab, so mm-hmm. uh, it's a interesting, interesting tale of his life. Well, let's do um, let's do Oscar uh, buzz. Oh yeah. Well, it's that time of the year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about Frozen Two then, real quick, because that's a big <laughs> release, probably the biggest release of the movies we're going to talk about. So, uh, it's a big one. It's made bank. It's going to be a billion-dollar film. It might be as we speak. It is a billion. Looking at it now, it's a billion. It it crossed a billion. So yet another billion-dollar film for Disney. Um, So this is obviously the long-awaited follow-up to the original. And it mostly picks up where the last one left off. Uh, what What did you think of Frozen 2? I'm going to pull up my notes on it. Yes, I, I'm now taking notes on everything, so... <laughs> Otherwise, I forget. I, I liked the story, and I thought the messages in this were more fleshed out mm-hmm. uh, than the first one. But the music was terrible. I I guess the, the, the only thing is that one big song that's like become the new Let It Go is like the only one that didn't feel like B-roll... Uh, yeah. Straight to DVD Disney music. I mean, it, I th- they were that first song where 
Kristen Bell sings Olaf about learning about life and thank God we got each other, whatever the hell it was, mm-hmm. um, was truly terrible. I, <laughs> I, I really wanted to actually walk out of the movie theater at that point. And I'm just like, if it's going to be like this, if I have one more song after this that's this bad, I don't know if I can stay. But th- thankfully, the, the really bad ones were spaced out enough that the singing was good, so it was it didn't drive me insane. But man, yeah. the lyrics were terrible. <laughs> singing was definitely really good. Um, I just feel bad for Jonathan Groff. I mean, that guy has such a good voice, and his Kristoff song was terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I put down here, and it that... didn't even really move the plot that much either, because we everything no. that he sung he sang in that song we have already learned. Yes. Uh... I, I I so I put down here that the the music is the weakest part of the sequel. I'm not certain I've seen such a fall in musical quality from one feature film to another. This is almost home video release quality. So we are, I think we are spot on <laughs> yeah. with the. I, I was watching and a, and a lot of them were just. I'm singing what I'm doing and I'm singing They're the like story the, along. You've seen the Mad TV skit of. Uh, Will Sasso being Randy Newman mm-hmm. and the joke is that he gets hired to write the prequel music to Star Wars like the Star Wars movies when they first came out <laughs> and, they're, and they're gonna hire Randy Newman to write the songs I don't think I've Have actually seen that? seen that but now I really want to yeah so that's basically what they felt with the whole thing it turns into like Randy Newman's just like singing singing about songs singing songs about things going on around him what he say what he sees <laughs> or just like is completely oblivious to Star Wars so it's like you know space it's all over the place that's where Star Wars happens like it's it's that kind of thing and that's what the music in this felt like it was just like letting uh letting them riff like they're writing the music as the movie's playing in front of them I don't know it was pretty bad yeah I um to me the the high points were I thought the um the voice cast is excellent. Uh, I think there was some... The, the story was good. It wasn't blow away. I actually, I think I enjoyed the first... The story of the first movie a little bit more. But, I mean, the... Regardless... Yeah, I mean, like, the story was better. I think the, just the, the underlying messages in this yeah. one were a little bit more yeah. fleshed out. And these aren't really Pixar movies, so they're not... The depth is really quite fitting there. to be happening on Thanksgiving. Yes, uh, <laughs> the 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 depth. The depth Thanksgiving's a lie. <laughs> yes, uh, the the depth isn't really there, but uh, the story is good. Like they they told it well, uh, and obviously, visually speaking, this was ridiculously pretty to look at. It's a yeah gorgeous movie. Uh, I liked it. I I thought it was pretty good, but. I don't think it was as good as the first movie because mainly the first movie had much better music, even if people are annoyed by much of that music, which is a which is even a joke that they make in the movie. It's like a split second blink and you miss it joke. But there's definitely a moment where uh, when Elsa is walking through like the ice version of her history or her memories or whatever, and she walks past herself singing "Let It Go" and she gets like a cringe look on her face like oh, I can't believe that was me uh, you know because the joke is everybody's tired of that song but honestly Let It Go is a better song than her song in this movie but uh, yeah I, I like the movie 
Uh, and Olaf, just, I thought was better in this too. I, 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 I like the way that I like the direction that they took him, where he was just Nietzsche as a child. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, what would you give Frozen two, Glenn? Oh man, I don't, like a like a three. Yeah, I gave it a three and a half. I I enjoyed it. Good movie, but it's just the, the music is God. It yeah. is so bad. If you're a music snob. <laughs> Um, not, not for you. Uh, so like we were supposed to go see what we did, see family on Thanksgiving in Lubbock, which is about three hours away. Mm -hmm. And Robbie's like, Oh, I can't wait to put this, uh, soundtrack on my Spotify. And I was like, we're not listening to the soundtrack (laughs) a second in the car on the way to go visit your family. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. So what do you want to talk? Is it, uh, do you want to? touch on dolomite or, or ford v ferrari here uh i mean ford v ferrari great you know grandpa movie you know it's uh christian bale's good in it i mean uh who wins glenn at the end oh uh i mean the movie's not about that really i mean oh, really so the movie should... oh so it's just like batman v superman yeah the movie really should have been called the perfect lap because it's really about christian bale trying to perfect the perfect lap on every race course that he's at. Ah. Um, and so, God, this but does yes, sound the like whole a movie. Yeah. And though, but the whole thing is like Ferrari makes the best race car. Ford comes to Shelby and is like, Hey, you know what? Let's make a race car better than Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And Ford ends up, I mean, if you know the history race, you know, Ford ends up taking first, second and third place. Yeah. And Ferrari both, the cars, you know, crapped out before the end of the race happened of the 24-hour Le Mans. But what sucked is the the co-pilot, like, you know, so it's 24-hour Le Mans, basically they take like four-hour shifts and the driver's straight off. Well, the other driver that's with uh, Ken Miles, Christian Bell's character is actually, uh, his name is Lloyd Ruby, mm-hmm. but he's really famous around here because he's from wichita falls ah. and so the fact that he's not in it at all and he's a very famous drag uh racer because he was like the first man to do 300 miles per hour in a quarter mile or something like that mm-hmm. so uh i mean i'm not much of a gearhead but yeah the fact i was kind of like oh i wonder if we'll get to see him and yeah he i think you see him trade out cars but he never says anything there's just oh hey that's lloyd ruby so would you say this was would this be a good movie for somebody who does not give a shit about cars? Does it still work? Can you still be like, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's like, it's inoffensive. And you know, the fact that grandma and grandpa be like, you know, what was a good movie that I saw? Like, uh, they'll (laughs) like it. I mean, it was, it's one of those, you could, it, this movie was made to be watched on cable. Like Ah. it is going to be perfect on cable, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a solid movie, you know, it's a lifetime movie for guys in theaters. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. But yeah, like, it's, a, but you 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 would say well done though. Yeah, it's it's well done. It's from you know the guy who made Logan. So. Wow! What a yeah. What a just like a a left turn, I guess. Pun intended. That is. Yeah, it's uh, but no, it's good. I mean, I'd probably give it like a four. Like it's okay. it's a good movie. It's okay. just it's not like groundbreaking. It's just it's really well done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a crowd pleaser, popcorn, yeah. and uh, you know, but it's solid. It's engaging. I mean, I wasn't really super bored throughout it, but it's mm-hmm. just again, you want to call it Ford v Ferrari, get puts in the seats, but it's really just about a guy trying to 
be the best driver he can. And mm-hmm. he's kind of an a hole and rubs people the wrong way and doesn't really care how rich you are. Like, yeah. He's just generally not wrong, and that's why him and Shelby get along with each other because they really don't have patience for people who have money and just want to buy stuff if they're not going to drive it the right way. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's talk about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, we both saw this, and this is uh, not a Mister Rogers biopic. No, it's not. It's really not. In fact, he's in it less than you would think. Although, I mean, it obviously plays a huge role. It's uh, mostly kind of reality-based story. This is kind of about the story of a of a real-life journalist who uh, had a very shitty outlook on the world until he did a profile piece on Mr. Rogers for Esquire magazine, and it changed his outlook on life. Uh, but uh, that particular, the story of that particular. Uh, journalist is not portrayed in the movie. They changed the name of the journalist and the name of his family, and they told a different story uh, than the actual journalist real life story. Although I saw him write a piece about the movie where he basically talked about the whole process of like the filmmakers coming to him and telling him that they had this idea for a movie based off of his original Esquire story and how he thought it was never going to get made until one day they called him and they're like, Tom Hanks is going to be Mr. Rogers. And he's like, Oh my God, this movie's actually going to get made. Like they don't cast Tom Hanks and then not make the movie. So, um, but that like, he watched the movie, uh, expecting to see, knowing that it wasn't going to be him on the screen and was expecting to not see any of himself up there, but ultimately walked away. Like, not not only seeing something of himself in the movie, but seeing like an even like a, another perspective he'd never even thought of about his own story with Fred Rogers and wrote more about it. But that is what the movie is about. It is about this uh, kind of journalist with a bad outlook on the world until he meets Mister Rogers and it sort of changes his life and the way he looks at things. And that's what the movie is. So, what what did you think of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was going to be like a fluffy Mr. Rogers movie. And I wanted to see it anyways. Cause like Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers, like, why not see it? The and I love the documentary yes. that came out last year. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll watch a movie about Mr. Rogers. And then, yeah, when it, when it starts and it's like, oh, they're treating this as if it were an episode of Mr. Rogers. I thought that was genius. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then like every time there's an establishing shot, it's. The done models. as if it were a set Yettles. uh i mean i i thought that was just brilliant i love that yeah it was this movie really subverted my expectations mm-hmm. um so it took i mean it did take me a couple minutes to like kind of get adjusted because this is not it is just not what i thought it was gonna be and yeah. uh but no i loved it i thought it was excellent um i mean anytime you want to hit me in the heart let's let's talk about daddy issues yeah <laughs> and yeah. uh because uh, I think everybody has them. Yeah, to some and, degree. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and it so it's just like that. And then uh, I didn't know Chris Cooper was going to be in it. I feel like I haven't seen that guy in forever, in and while, it was just yeah. great to see him in a movie. And he's so good as this as his father. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, I I really liked the movie. I mean, I loved it. Me I too. I I thought it was so good. 
and I've been telling my friends, like, yeah, you guys should see the Mr. Rogers. And they're like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to see it. But I'm like, I don't know if I want to see a movie with Mr. Rogers. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's not what you think it is. It no. is really good. It's nowhere what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, no, I just... Uh, also, there is a brief cameo of Mr. Rogers' wife in the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard that. I didn't notice it, but... Yeah, when they're in the... Uh, when they're in the Chinese restaurant and they do the let's not talk for a minute. Ah, yes. And yes, uh yes. they're they really quick cut, but you see an old lady and that's that's Mr. Rogers' wife. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you know, you've seen the documentary. So yep. see hearing some of the things that have directly come out of her mouth when she talks about her husband, mm-hmm. and then the you know, kind of the two instances you get to meet his wife, her saying like the, exact the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Is that was really cool. Um, that was, uh, but no, I I loved it. I thought it was a good movie. The fact that Tom Hanks kept grabbing his side, you know, because this took place right whenever he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he mm-hmm. didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, no, I just I thought it was an excellent movie, uh, and it was really bittersweet. I mean, I I definitely got teary eyed a couple yep. of times in this movie. I mean, there is. There is two or three occasions that really punched me in the gut in a, you know, in a sad and in a happy way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. this movie totally, I was in the tank for it anyway. I loved Mr. Rogers as a kid. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, like, I was the, like, I had to like put on shoes and a jacket whenever Mr. Rogers started <laughs> so I could like play along with him in the living room and change my shoes and change out of my jacket just like he did like I and that's the first thing you see is Tom Hanks who I thought was just the it's like the most on the nose but of course the only casting you could do yeah. for Mr. Rogers to see him come in and then just do it was just oh my god like right there I was already getting like chills like hair was standing up on my on my neck. It was yeah. It's weird because he didn't like he didn't sound like him. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't do an and he an didn't really really look like him. But it was just the essence of him. Yep, he just, that's, yeah. Just the yep. fact that it was Tom Hanks. Like like you said, he's the only one I would have believed him as as Mister Rogers. He somehow m- melded Tom Hanks and Fred Rogers together for this portrayal. Yeah, and it just worked. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I, I and if it people was... who don't like Mister Rogers, they're just the, they were kids who grew up with yeah. cable. Like I didn't grow up with cable, and so to me, it was like, you know, I did watch PBS cartoons or whatever because they're yeah. the only things I could watch on the weekday. I had to wait for the weekend for something. Yes, uh, I mean, from my perspective, like I think watching that show helped make me a better person. Although sometimes it, you know, took me getting through my teenage years and like reflecting on Mr. Rogers and after reading about him, watching the documentary and things like that, realizing just how informed my personality is to to some degree by that show. When I put the notes down on this, I just wrote uh, the movie is mostly about the journalist, but his encounters with Fred Rogers change his outlook on life and his relationship with his estranged father. In other words, it's the perfect Mr. Rogers movie. Because uh, to me, this doesn't have to be about Mr. Rogers, the person, but no. it's about like the effect that he had on this person. And I'm like, 
that's the perfect Mr. Rogers movie, at least to me, because yeah. like that was the thing he was most known for was the effect he had on on others. So yeah, I thought this movie was excellent. Uh, and the guy sport. who did play the journalist, uh, Matthew Rise, Matthew was Rise, also yep. very good. In very it. good. Yep. Um, it with an interesting little tidbit. I, I think it was on the late night show, maybe. What, mm-hmm. Yeah, with Seth Meyers, and he was talking about you know because he's from, uh, well Wales. Yes. Uh, and so he never grew up with Mister Ro- Mr. Rogers. So no. he's always he no. had, he knew who he was, but he didn't really know anything. And so whenever there's instances in the movie, he's like, for me, it made the performance easy because I am also having to learn about this man. And I was putting my child in front of Mr. Rogers and being like, oh, you know, that's a good idea. And it's like he he's like, so for me, it's just, Mm -hmm. man, it's it was such an amazing show to watch even as as an adult. And that was kind of thing like watching the documentary and stuff, too, was I kind of would, you know, I started watching a couple more clips, you know, here and there of the show. And it's just like, man, it's crazy. Like the things that, cause you just think of Mr. Rogers, this big, you know, big fluff pieces, yep. you know, soft, kind voice. And it's just like, no, he really dealt with real stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. he talked the kids like they weren't stupid. I yep. mean, he still definitely treated them as children, but he did not talk to them dumb. Yes. And, uh, man, it was, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad that he's got. I mean, it really is like one of those things. Like mm-hmm. he's been gone like seventeen years. Yeah, and we're still talking about him. Yep. And Unfortunately, I feel like the uh, faith that he represents doesn't talk about him enough because I feel like he's a great ambassador for them. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a. Here yeah. we have two secular guys talking about a Christian minister. Whenever I never hear anybody who goes to church talk about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, incredible representative. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, for really. them. And, Not to uh, go too deep down that hole, but... Yeah, and I mean, yeah. Spoiler alert, this is going to make it into my top ten films for sure. So, yeah. uh, what did you give It's a, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Man, I, I'm i going to say four and three quarters. Yeah, that's what I gave it as well. Uh, just awesome. I loved it. Um, how about you talk about uh, Dolomite is my name real quick? Okay, so Dolomite... Is my name is a movie about a seventies oh, man? What was he? <laughs> it's such a weird. He was like a stand-up comedian that wanted to turn this stage persona into a film franchise, mm-hmm. and basically he gets, as you find in the movie, kind of gets turned down by the quote-unquote black exploitation you know film industry yeah uh because that's not the kind of thing that they do oh yeah this and is like just the, about the kung fu movies yeah. and stuff right yeah. yes yes yeah eddie murphy's in it wesley snipes is in it uh, i mean uh keegan michael key i think bob odenkirk has a cameo that's in it i mean there's a lot of good people in this movie yes uh craig robinson uh mike epps basically just plays himself uh <laughs> like i'm pretty sure he just wore his normal clothes on set awesome. uh yeah it was pretty great but no it's uh it's just a you know kind of like a summarized version of how this guy got his first movie made you know yeah. he put all his money into it and you know i don't feel like it spoils anything because yeah the movie comes successful because he kind of had this little indie uh self-financed movie career that you know had an audience that no one 
that was there. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Murphy's incredible in it. I mean, it's weird to see Eddie Murphy like give a shit. Yeah, in a movie because I feel like it's been a while. I mean, he's giving it his all. He's so good. Wesley Snipes is incredible in the movie. Yeah, I haven't seen Wesley Snipes be like this in forever. Like, not be the serious blade, you know, tough guy thing, but just yeah. like <laughs> be this pretentious actor guy who mm-hmm. thinks he's too good for it. But in it, you know, it's on Netflix. So if you got a Netflix account, it's a Netflix original movie. Awesome. Uh, I know it was a passion project. I mean, if he tried to get it made for like 10 years, yep. but man, it's, it's just good. It's, it's just a feel good, fun movie. You know, it kind of, you know, the humor is definitely not for everybody, but again, it's, it, it's kind of like what I always say with the Mel Brooks movie. Like it, it just, it comes from a good place. Like it's not yes. just being mean. Like there is some thought behind it or just it being fun. I mean, even the movie he says, like there's, there's anything I know that brothers love. It's, uh, kung fu. Uh, oh gosh, what it's like action kung fu and tits or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like that's what we're gonna make. Like we're just gonna make everybody this loves action that. movie with kung fu and titties. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, you know what? Let's let's do this. You Who know, just a bunch that? of ragtag people. And yeah, I don't know. I found I loved it. Um, you know, it's from the guy who made Hustle and Flow, which I love that movie. Mm. Um, but it's no, it's just, it's such a, such a good movie. I mean, such a, I love this movie. I mean, it's definitely something I gave a five out of five. Cause I just, Oh wow. I okay. thoroughly enjoyed it. That's I, gonna be I the top loved, of the list. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. It's, I'm glad it's getting, um, award buzz because it's, you know, it's a little off the beaten track, but that's kind of the whole point of the movie is this little engine that could and, I don't know if necessarily, you know, Eddie Murphy's going to win best actor, but I yeah. I I'm glad that it's getting, you know, kind of its due diligence cuz I I found it incredible. I I enjoyed it. It's lighthearted. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. It's funny as hell, but it's just uh yeah, just it's a movie about a ragtag group of people. Um let me talk about Jojo Rabbit real quick and then we'll end on uh Knives Out. Um since we both saw that. Uh, so Jojo Rabbit is a Taika Waititi film. It's his uh, late. Is this the first thing he's done since Ragnarok, or did he do something in between? I think this is his first thing. Okay. Well, I mean, if that's the case, boy, what a follow up. Um, so this is about uh, a ten-year-old boy who's in Hitler Youth, and he has an imaginary friend who is, in fact, Adolf Hitler, and he's a fanatic. But his mother, who's played by Scarlett Johansson, is not. She's, uh, um, his mother and father are, uh, you know, for most of his life have pretended to be, uh, fanatics, but they are really part of the underground and trying to help. And the the story of the movie is that, uh, one day Jojo discovers that his mother is helping a Jewish girl hide in their own home. And it's about him kind of growing up and coming to grips with everything that's happening around him. And this is, of course... And you're talking earlier about, um... Like the, uh... Oh, God, what were you comparing uh, Dolomite is my name to? Like Oh, uh, Mel Brooks. The, the, speaking of Mel Brooks, this is very Mel Brooks-esque in the way that it's handled. Because, uh, obviously, this is a sensitive subject matter. So, Taika Waititi, who is smart, he knows how to do comedy like this and it's it's actually very easy 
you don't ever punch down. The jokes are the jokes in this movie are about how the Nazis are idiots. They're yeah. all they're the only Nazis who are not buffoons in this movie are the Nazis who are actually sympathetic or trying to help Jojo, trying to help Jojo's mother, or trying to help Elsa, the girl. Um other than that, all of the Nazis are just goofballs. They're just absolute idiots. And so the movie is always punching up at them uh, instead of the other way around. And if they ever make a joke about Jews, it's always the outlandish stuff about how, you know, they have wings and they eat children and, you know, the stuff that's so stupid that nobody would, you know, dare believe it. Like, you're laughing at the fact that they believe those things or something along like those lines. Like Jews in space. Sure. Um, you know, History World Part 1. Yes. <laughs> The uh, the Hitler on ice, Jews in space. I mean, (laughs) Taika Waititi (laughs) as Hitler is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Uh, but at times he will like flip the switch and actually play like Hitler, Hitler for like a minute, where Hmm. like when Jojo is questioning his loyalty and his feelings about being a Nazi, like his imaginary Hitler kind of becomes Hitler for a minute. And he actually does a pretty good job of doing that as well, but when he's not doing that, he's a very goofy goofball. Uh, Roman Griffin Davis is the name of the kid who plays Jojo, and he's awesome. His comedic timing is ridiculous. Uh, He's excellent. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie plays Elsa. She's also very good. Uh, Sam Rockwell is in this, playing a, a Nazi captain. He's sort of like the head of JoJo's chapter of Hitler Youth, and he's absolutely hilarious in this as well. Um, the last thirty minutes of this movie will repeatedly punch you in the gut. Uh, it's really funny all the way until that last thirty minutes, and the last thirty minutes are—I mean, he tries to punch it up with some comedy to break up just how like horrendous it is. It gets. Yeah, like reality sort of sets in a few times. And he tries to pepper in some comedy to make it not so horrific. But he does not leave he does not leave that alone. He he touches on how bad things get uh, to a degree. So uh, I thought this was excellent. Uh, This I'd not I'd never even heard of Taika Waititi until the Thor Ragnarok stuff. He'd mostly made smaller comedies and independent movies and things like that but oh i mean one of the funniest movies is what we do in the shadows yeah and that movie's hilarious after seeing this i want to go back and like i want to watch all of his stuff because this guy is brilliant I, I thought this movie was great i gave it four and three quarters it's awesome another one of my favorites for this year um all right let's uh let's end on knives out uh and this is ryan johnson Fresh off of ruining Star Wars forever, Glenn. It's dead. The franchise is dead. No one will ever talk about Star Wars again. So Ryan Johnson has been unfortunately reduced to uh, to making non-Star Wars films since it's dead. Uh, and he made uh, essentially it's a whodunit. It's like Clue. Yeah, but, I mean they even say it. The guy lives in a Clue house. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I got to know what you think about Knives Out first before I start talking about it. But it is essentially it is essentially a whodunit. The cast is stacked. 
Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Catherine Langford, Christopher Plummer. Uh, we'll get to Daniel Craig in a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, Ana de Armas, who plays Kentucky Marta. Fried Foghorn, Foghorn Leghorn Detective. Oh my god! And and of course, uh, uh, Chris Evans, Captain America, is also also in this. But what did you think of Knives Out, Glenn? I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. Uh, I don't know how much you want to just get into spoilers of it. I don't think we want to spoil any anything. I mean, with a whodunit, you don't really want to spoil it for anybody. That's yeah. sort of. Although I will, the one I thing will I will say is, later. it's funny to watch this movie in retrospect of the Last Jedi mm-hmm. because there are. Man, does he have his tricks and his playbook that he sticks to? Because mm-hmm. there are, you know, look, you like Last Jedi. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm right. You're wrong. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. But there, but it would. There were things that happened in Last Jedi. He you, does like some of the exact same tricks in that movie and this one. Mm-hmm. And just because the setting is different, it's like, see, if you wanted to make a whodunit little you know thriller not really a thriller but kind of like you know figuring out who you can trust kind of thing like this is how you do it you know you don't have it on two giant spaceships that happen a matter of a couple of hours like Mm -hmm. the setting is important for all of this and i Mm -hmm. i just thought like hit you know the style that he writes in or how he wants to tell his stories i just thought worked a lot better in this setting Mm -hmm. uh but it's pretty obvious who does it from the get-go it, to me. I mean, I, I figured it out, and then it was just kind of like, okay, well, maybe it's maybe it's just maybe it was this way, and then yeah. Well, they kind of uh, spoil. They kind of the cast is great in it. You know, yeah. someone who shares your birthday. Uh, you know, with the again Johnson, happy birthday, yes. Don Johnson was great in it as the as the Trump lover <laughs> arguing with Tony <laughs> Collette, Jesus. who's. Who doesn't like Trump, but then, uh, you know, and then her daughter is a big, you know, as they call her, the S- she's getting her SJW degree. Yes. And then, you know, the other son of Michael Shannon is this alt-right, you know, Nazi kid. But you just find out, oh, they're all just all the same shitty people. Like, it doesn't matter what their politics are. They all just suck. Yes. So, uh, but no, and that, it was fun. You know, I don't know how meta his commentary is supposed to be. Um on uh, how much I really care to even think of it that way. I just mm-hmm. thought it was a fun who done it and uh the the entire cast was great. Uh even the lieutenant uh Lake Stanfield. Yep. Uh I was just like just look, it's a suicide. Like <laughs> just he is so done with Daniel Craig's antics by the end of the movie that I, it just I'm I'm glad that he was there as kind of like the the straight man, I guess. Uh but yep. no, I thought the movie was excellent and you can talk now. i uh were you like this movie i think i loved this movie yeah i mean for me it's i'm trying to temper expectations because i literally watched it 20 minutes ago yes i've had some time to digest it a little bit more um i uh they so they spoil the whodunit like in the middle of the movie to the audience anyway the audience knows whodunit like they they flat out show it to you um, but then there, then it really becomes a case of like, you know, will they find, you know, will they find out who done it? And then when they do find out who done it, 
it really turns out there's another person who really done it. Who done the done did. Who, who done did the done did. did. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's even more. There's some twists and some turns yeah. uh, in it. Uh, I thought, you know, everybody, like the small roles in this movie, like Michael Shannon, like the, all those names I listed, I thought they were all great. Uh, I thought uh, Ana de Armas, this is, uh, I think, the first time she's had a role this large. I mean, she is essentially the star of the film. Yeah, she is. And she also got a Golden Globe nominee for this, too. Yes. uh, I thought she was just really good in this. And I love that they gave her just... This is a whodunit movie, but it's not taken... It's taken seriously, but not too seriously. Like, uh, Anna de Armas' character, Marta, has a thing where if she lies, she throws up. Like, she can't (laughs) help it. Yeah, it's such a silly like She's too good of a person. Yeah, and it's there's too there's too much of a it's too much of a giveaway. And uh, she's either from Uruguay, Brazil, Colombia, or Ecuador. Yes, because uh, every family member says that she's well, from she's a different, from different place. Uh, I wrote I in, in the notes here. I put that Chris Evans plays quite possibly the only role he was meant to play as much as Captain America, uh, and that is an unfathomably smarmy douchebag. Named Ransom Drysdale, uh, I thought he was awesome in this. Huey Ransom Drysdale. Hugh, that's right. Uh, I thought nobody was more awesome in this movie though than Daniel Craig. Oh, he's so great in it. I like. <laughs> he plays. I I wrote Kentucky Fried Sherlock Holmes type, but his name is Benoit Blanc. Yeah, he's like Creole. He's supposed yes. to be from like Louisiana. But he's he, just like one of my dirty cousins. But he's definitely got like, you know, a southern Kentucky drawler instead of the Yeah, it's not so much a he don't sound like down here on the back one now. <laughs> no, it's very much like, like Foghorn like Leghorn. But <laughs> yeah. oh my god, does he dive into this and he just <laughs> every scene he's in he completely steals. I uh, he I thought he was amazing in this, and I hope he wins every award that he is nominated for. Uh, I just ridiculous. Uh, I thought you know it's snappy, quick witted. Uh, I like this better than the Last Jedi. I mean, they're obviously ridiculously different movies. They're just mm-hmm. made. They're just made by the same guy. Uh, I like. I don't think you can really. Com- I mean, they're two very. No, different no, no you're right. Ever. I know he. They're not the same, but. I'm just saying, like I mean, you're right was... about you're, you're right about him imp- imp- applying some like some of his, I guess they'd be like signature moves that Ryan Johnson has, yeah, uh, for sure. It was definitely Ryan John. Those are definitely both Ryan Johnson movies, but uh, yeah, I ended up liking this even more. Uh, so ultimately, I thought the problem with I wanted to give this a five because I was in love with this movie, and I was sitting there thinking about it, and. Um, the ultimately the the problem with a whodunit movie is like once you've watched the movie and you find out the who, what you know who the who was that you know it's less suspenseful and fun the second time around but i decided ultimately that this movie is so much fun the it's there's the funny parts are really funny the characters are so enjoyable uh and it's just so much fun to watch that I am going to end up watching the movie more than once, and it's probably going to be uh, just as fun the second time around, even though I know everything that's going to happen in the whodunit. So yeah, I had no problems giving this a five. This is probably my favorite movie I've seen this year. 
I loved it. Uh, yeah, and I will say to the movie's credit, um, I do think this movie has a lot of repeat watching mm-hmm. for a couple of different reasons. One, the the dialogue is so juicy at times, and the cast is so good of just like I believe that they are just these bloodthirsty siblings that just want all the greedy money that they can get where you don't like some of these family movies or whatever like usually yeah it's like the family so when the patriarch's dead and then they all come to town there's that one where like tina fey's in it and jane fonda's a mom and you find out she was in love with the next door neighbor and the dad never cared because he Mm -hmm. was dying yeah um but like i never really believed any of those people were siblings yeah whereas this one it's like they they might have looked alike, but I definitely believe that they hated each other like siblings can. <laughs> when you whenever you you, know, you come from that kind of privilege that they come from. Um, um, so uh, what would you what would you give Knives Out? I mean, it's a little early or close to it. You just got done watching it, but yeah, I mean, either a really strong four and a half or a soft four seven five. The okay. other thing I would say, like, makes it rewatchable is I think watching it with other people who haven't seen, seen it. it. Yes, I think getting a kick out of their reaction because mm-hmm. there is a lady. I mean, it, it, like literally, it was Robbie and then our friend Rose and then like six old people. Yeah. I mean, really old people. Yeah, uh, not like okay boomer. I mean, like past that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was this lady <laughs> who was sitting on the same row as us all the way down at the end by herself, and she just starts talking, and she's talking throughout the whole movie. So like anytime. Uh, Daniel Craig is on the screen or yeah. whatever. And she's just like, no, he's figured it out. You guys aren't going to, you guys aren't going to outsmart him. He's got it. And then like, same thing with the nurse. He's like, oh, she's doing so good. And so like, for me, I got such a joy out of this lady. Like, you know, sometimes people talk, like it wasn't, she was doing it all the time. Yeah. It was, she was just loud enough to where I could hear her, but it yes. wasn't drowning out the dialogue. And it was just sweet. Like she, she was enjoying it. Everyone like, even the other people, you could obviously hear her. Like we're all just kind of laughing when she's making her comments, and mm-hmm. it was just, it was, it was enjoyable. It was, it's a fun movie for everybody. Yeah, it's a really. Side, it was like a side movie to the movie. Yeah, uh, and no, but she was great. Track. I mean, it was, it was, it was adorable. It really was adorable. Um, so obviously, we're gonna. I, I don't know if we're gonna be able to squeeze in one more before the year is over. Obviously. Uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is coming out in a few days. I'm not seeing it until Christmas Day anyway, because that's family tradition here now. Yeah, I'm seeing so. it opening night because it's a part of Robbie's work Christmas party. Ah, uh, so maybe we will be able to find a time to squeeze it in. If not, we'll probably talk about it a little bit uh, as early into January as humanly possible so we can do our uh, our best of 2019 lists. And in the meantime, I've also got to squeeze in uh, a few more movies because there's some stuff. I don't know if they're going to top Knives Out for me, but uh, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet or Ad Astra or uh, 1917 and maybe even Rise of Skywalker. I'm sure it'll be really good. So uh, I haven't seen The Irishman either, but I don't know if I have 12 hours on my I, hands. Yeah, before I knew the runtime of like three and a half hours, that's kind of why I've been pushing it off. And I want to watch The King, which is also on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And no no um, offense to Terminator Dark Fate or Midway or Jumanji <laughs> The Next Level. I do want to see them, but I don't know if they're going to make it into my top ten list. But. Yeah, I do want to see Jumanji too, because I thoroughly enjoyed the first one. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, it was it should have been as fun as it was. But so, I don't. I do want to see Richard Jewell because it's interesting that Clint ah, Eastwood made Clint, a movie about Clint Eastwood about made a, reporters defaming a person while he defames this reporter in his movie. So yes. I kind of kind of want to see it just for the spectacle of that. I really just not to get too political, Glenn, but I just thought it was the see fake news Israel the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's totally like uh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. While he defames a, while he defames a reporter, uh, presuming that she's by having slept around sex with a guy yes. who didn't exist, <laughs> yes, to get stories. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, yeah, solid. it's fun. Uh, How the mighty have then... fallen! <laughs> oh, good lord! Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna see Star Wars. Uh, there's you know, and then a Jumanji. Well, um, I think. So, the, yeah, there's plenty. I think, I think the story here is that Glenn and I will try to maybe get back one time before the new year to maybe talk about star Wars, but it'll be a tight squeeze. Uh, like we'd have to do it that weekend. So, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to break this up in a couple of parts. If we're going to try and do our end of the year list and star Wars and maybe some other stuff at the same time. Yeah. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. Um, all right. So we'll, fi- we'll figure it out and then you can just listen to it when it happens. Uh, in the meantime, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show and, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and tune in. Just search for Cinema Geekly. Hit subscribe. And uh, that way you can hear us come back next time, whenever that is. Uh, either sometime before the New Year to talk about Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker or sometime just after the New Year's to talk about that movie and our best of lists. It'll be another Cinema Geekly podcast. <laughs>